on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm your host, Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll start the show with some genre-related news. A reboot of Disney's Darkwing Duck is in the early stages of development at Disney+. Plus. The series will be executive produced by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, James Weaver, and Alex McAtee. The CW has ordered a pilot based on its painkiller character from the Black Lightning television series. Jordan Calloway will reprise his role as Painkiller, a.k.a. Khalil Payne. The pilot will air as an episode of Black Lightning during the show's fourth season, which is set to premiere in early February of 2021. Salim Akil will write, direct, and produce the pilot. Marie Javins has been promoted to editor-in-chief for DC Comics. Javins had been acting as co-editor-in-chief with Michelle R. Wells since a restructuring of the company in August. She will have responsibility for developing and overseeing the publishing schedule and lead the strategy for expanding worldwide consumer reach of DC publishing content. Javins has previously served as DC Executive Editor of Global Publishing and Digital Strategy. She said in a statement, I'm incredibly honored by this responsibility and will dedicate myself to supporting and challenging DC's extended family of staff, talent, retailers, and partners around the world in our quest to tell innovative visual stories that both reflect and expand our world, and in some cases, our galaxy and multiverse. On Sunday, SpaceX successfully launched four NASA astronauts into space. Their Crew Dragon capsule completed docking with the International Space Station on Monday. This is the first privately owned and operated spacecraft to be certified by NASA for human spaceflight and the first fully operational crewed mission for SpaceX. It will pave the way for SpaceX and NASA to make the trip to ISS relatively routine and carrying astronauts from a variety of backgrounds. It was announced earlier this week that Woke has been renewed for a second season on Hulu. The television series is based on the life and work of cartoonist, humorous lecturer Keith Knight, who also serves as one of the show's producers. Woke stars Lamorne Morris, T. Murph, and Blake Anderson. Warner Brothers has released a new trailer for Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. The two-and-a-half-minute trailer is in black and white. You can check it out on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash fantasticforum and don't forget to like the page and follow Fantastic Forum on Twitter and Instagram. Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 1984 will open in theaters on December 25th. The superhero sequel will also debut same day on HBO Max. If you like Star Wars, then you're going to love this episode. Now it's time to introduce my panel. 
And joining me on today's episode, I have a couple of favorites and a newcomer. Uh, of course, uh, Camille Richardson and Mike Lunsford. And joining us for the very first time, Maggie Lovett. You're going to love her. Ha ha, you see what I did there? <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Always a pleasure. Well, there you go. All right. Each one of these panelists has been handpicked, carefully selected, specifically for the top of discussion for today, which in a broad sense is Star Wars and uh, specifically uh, what this thing is, uh, its staying power, the fact that people love it, and the fact that even after over 40 years, the thing continues to go strong. In fact, um, earlier this week happens to have been the 17th was the anniversary of the debut in 1978 of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Now, I'm going to start there <laughs> only because <laughs> yeah, only because um, I am uh, I'm the old man of the bunch and uh, I was the only one who was actually around when the original movie came out. And uh, I, I, I need to explain the significance of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Now, of course, this thing introduced Boba Fett to audiences. Uh, it is totally un unwatchable today. Um, however, and, and in fact, I will also add, there is no need for any actual fan of Star Wars to watch this thing today. Um, it served a very specific purpose at the time, which was to be the first glimpse of these characters after the end of the first movie, uh, now known as A New Hope. So, uh, But I thought it was interesting when I saw earlier in the week that uh, that the 17th, you know, Tuesday had been uh, the anniversary of the debut of this of this show. Now, I'm assuming that uh, all of you as dedicated Star Wars fans have actually wasted that bit of your life and watched this Star Wars holiday special thing. Oh, yeah. Would I be corrected? <laughs> I, I am not going to sit on this podcast dais and let you besmirch the good name of B. Arthur. And the holiday special. <laughs> How dare you? Starship and Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Itchy? Come on. Yeah. Well, Harvey Corman actually was pretty cool, too. And I liked Art Carney in the thing also. See, but there, there's some good things about it. Uh, very few. <laughs> but still, no need for anybody to watch this thing today. Yeah. So uh, now, of course, May of 1977... Uh, the debut of uh, what was then known as Star Wars, later, as I mentioned, came to be known as A New Hope, and uh, kicked off uh, this trilogy of films that literally changed the world, changed filmmaking, changed fandom. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you guys, and this is uh, where I actually wanted to start this discussion, outside of the numbered uh, episodes... What are your favorite pieces of Star Wars? And uh, I think since Maggie is new to the show, we'll start with her. Oh, perfect. I have I have my answer off the top of my head. Um, I will always say that Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, it is four years old in a couple weeks, which is just 
absolutely surreal to realize but that film for me captured everything i love about star wars it um it came out at a very specific time in world history um and i have kind of held on to it as a crutch um i jokingly say i've watched it about 300 times and that is no exaggeration um it just captures something about the resistance and the resilience of rebels fighting the good cause and at any length and that for me is a lot of what star wars is and that film is just perfect um and a couple weeks ago i got to interview gary witta and who wrote rogue one um one of the writers of rogue one and it was just like a surreal experience for me oh that's terrific i didn't know what to expect with rogue one disney's strategy mm -hmm. of at making these additional films that were not part of uh, you know, the, the episodic trilogies. Um, you didn't know what you were going to get. And, uh, you know, you heard these stories about Rogue One, but personally, I thought it was brilliant. And I thought it was just such a beautifully done story. Um, you know, and, and as a, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, sort of a war movie, you know, yeah. but uh, suicide mission, basically. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, and as so many war movies are, but beautifully put together and, uh, you know, well cast, well acted, well written. I mean, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to look up that interview that you did, Maggie, because yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sure it was very interesting, uh, you know, to talk to the uh, to the actual writer. And I know just knowing you and your love of Star Wars that um, you had some great questions for him. And, uh, you know, probably some stuff he had never heard before. But, uh, Mike, what about you? I wanted to jump in real quick and say that I totally co-sign Rogue One because it's been my <laughs> it's been my favorite of the of the recent movies like that. And by recent, I mean, like the stuff that's come out within the last decade. Mm -hmm. And of all of the things that we've seen, and this is encompassing all of Star Wars dumb. One of my favorite scenes of all time, because Rogue One on its own by itself fantastic wonderful movie but that end scene mm -hmm. when the rebels are on the ship and they're like crap how are we going to get out of here with the plans for the death star and then all of a sudden the lights go out and it gets dark and it gets quiet and then you hear that <laughs> mechanical breathing i have watched that scene i've watched the movie probably like a dozen maybe two dozen times but i've watched that just that scene alone like i don't know 800 times that is the coolest thing i've ever seen any any Jedi or Sith do. And Vader just mops the floor with those rebellion soldiers. And it was like the coolest thing. And like they hyped it up. They talked about it. They said before the movie came out, oh, we're going to get to see some of the extent of Vader's power. And we're all like, yeah, okay, they've said that before. And then we did. And it was just like I lost my mind in that scene. Like <laughs> I, I, it, I went from being like an adult man to an eight-year-old boy. It was the coolest thing. Um I do have a different answer though, as far as like my, my favorite thing. Um, I love all of it and it's so hard to pick one thing, but like, um, as was mentioned before, like in a time in your life when things were whatever, that Star Wars was important. And when Star Wars was super important to me was when I was in the military. Cause in the military, there's a lot of times where you kind of are stuck away from home and you're far away and it sucks and you want something that can kind of help you stay grounded or something that kind of distract you from the crap that you have to do. And it was what is the legends books, like the Thrawn trilogy, heir to the empire, dark force rising, the last command, like all of these now, like the legends at the time that you were the extended universe, 
all of these books were able to give me more stories with these characters that I grew to love and that I had known since I was a little kid. And it was just like this nice little bit of familiarity that I got to have in a often very unfamiliar place. And it had some really, really cool stories, some crazy stuff going on. They ended up like not really using any of it with the new JJ trilogy, but like it was just really cool stories that you got to read and experience and seeing Luke Skywalker rebuild the Jedi, the the whole Jedi order on his own and his whole journey. It was just, it was, it was really cool. It was really fun. Um, it got a little out there at times because it was like, Hey, remember the Death Star and how great that thing was and how powerful it was. Yeah. There's like 9 million other things that are more powerful than that. So why, why didn't we use them when the empire was a thing? I don't know because plot like it, it, some of it was nonsensical but overall the whole thing was just a ton of fun i would like to associate myself with your remarks on that too because that darth vader laying waste to uh rebel soldiers scene uh that that was beautiful and i i wish i wish you, you had more of that um i i'm sure you guys also are familiar with this uh, i think it's called star wars sc38 reimagined where um, somebody has taken footage from A New Hope, and they've also added uh, some like CG stuff and stuff of their own to make a really good Darth Vader versus Obi Wan fight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I wish they would actually add that to Star Wars A New Hope because you know that little crappy battle they had. I mean, it, it was okay. 43 years ago but today it's like oh wait a second you know especially after the duel of the fates uh in uh, revenge of the sith i mean you just want something a little better and and this thing that uh fix it in post i think the guy was who did i mean it was it was spot on i mean it yeah. was just exceptionally well done and fit in beautifully with that i mean excellent work so anyway but yeah i mean to just to to mention that uh i haven't read a lot of the books in fact um i remember uh, there was a book alan dean foster did that was originally envisioned as a low budget sequel to star wars because they didn't know exactly what was going to happen with it initially and uh, it was called splinter of the mind's eye and uh, and that's the one that i read i mean in addition to the novelizations but because uh, at the time we were all really hungry for star wars but uh camille what about you? I'm going to piggyback off of everyone, but <laughs> Rogue One was absolutely a masterpiece, start to finish. So happy they didn't force a romance. So happy that it ended the way it did. Um, and the fact that even Disney allowed, that was huge. Um, and then, of course, I thought Jin was just one of my absolute, just she became one of my absolute favorite characters through any of it. Um, and then second would be on to that Battle in a New Hope. If you have not seen it, go find it right now. You'll never want to watch it differently ever again. Absolutely beautiful. But personally, for me, as to what my favorite Star Wars thing, um, and this really happened this year because I decided to go on a crazy chronological watch of everything. And uh, I included Clone Wars and Rebels since I hadn't um, done that yet. So I did Clone Wars and Rebels and all of it. Clone Wars is my absolute favorite from start to finish. Uh, it, it has so much more ability to go into a lot of the things that we've wondered about, whether it be with the Force, whether it be some of the things that maybe uh, were hits that 
we're actually going to help to turn Anakin to the dark side, not just Padme, not just trying to keep her alive. Like so many other things that were entailed with that, that you can see within Wars. And I will say one thing. There's one thing that kind of trumps Vader with that hallway scene. And that might be Maul in his hallway scene. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. It was live action, but still, I mean, dude's got chopped yeah. in half by doors and arms cut off and my god it was amazing but uh and then of course you know just having certain people come on in because i don't want to say everything because i don't know who's who still needs to finish out clone wars but you know it, it was pretty incredible to see certain people do uh motion capture for some saber fights that i would say are in the top possibly almost three fights yeah. of all saber fights ever and it's animated but holy cow, I just, I absolutely adored it. And then I went into Rebels and it was a little more kid-like at first, but boy, does it grow. And it's really fruitful if you've done all Clone Wars and Mandalorian 2 will be the same way. I got to say too, just to piggyback on that. Oh, real quick, hey, hey, like, Mike, Mike, yeah. hold that thought just a second, because it's time for me to remind everybody that you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM Radio Arlington. We are Arlington and streaming via WERA.FM. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Maggie Lovett and Mike Lunsford and Camille Richardson. And uh, Mike had something he was getting ready to say. Yeah, just one of the things I wanted to, to like kind of tip in with, with um, what Camille was saying, because I, I completely agree with her. The thing that always frustrated me about where it's uh, Maul versus Obi-Wan versus um, Qui-Gon, yeah, it was, a, it was a good fight, but like I would rather have one that may not be as like fancy, but is more emotionally impactful. So like to this day, my favorite lightsaber duel of all time is Vader versus Luke in Empire Strikes Back. But that duel between Ahsoka and Vader in season two of Rebels, that was like one of the most emotional duels I've ever seen. That that's when he gets part of his mask chopped off and he turns and looks at her and says Ahsoka, like half Anakin, half Vader voice. Like that, holy crap. Like that was such an impactful scene. And like, I would take that, that emotional resonance any day over like, oh man, look, they're doing all these flips and like they're swinging across on vines and like, yeah, that's cool. But like, I want something that like really like hits you in the gut. Yeah, and, and, and look, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, I mean, my, mine is, and I, I have to confess, um, I'm not all the way through with Clone Wars. But from what I've seen, I just finished uh, Season 4, and so ready to pick up with Season 5. And in fact, uh, here publicly, I'm going to thank Camille Richardson for turning me on to this show <laughs> because... <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't really like the animation style. It's kind of cartoony. I don't know. That's the best stuff. When you get halfway into season five, oh my God, from there to the end of season seven, like that is my prime time. Everything Star Wars right there. <laughs> well, you know, the stuff they've done so far is is really cool, which is why I, I picked it as, as my favorite, uh, you know, non- um, you know, numerical trilogy, uh, Star Wars, because you know you you really get to see so much of the war, and you get a real feel for stuff that's going on uh, throughout the entire Republic. And but it's so painful because 
the audience knowing what happens and knowing who everybody is, you know, I mean, you get to see, you know, the, uh, the, the, the duplicitousness of uh, the Supreme Chancellor. And, you know, when they do the foreshadowing, like you, like you mentioned, of what happens with Anakin. And, heck, even time you, every time you see Anakin and Padme, you're like, oh, they're secretly married and nobody knows. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's just so much great stuff. And um, I, was, um, I was watching, uh, and this was before the uh, release of Force Awakens. And uh, Char- Charlie Rose was talking to um, uh, George Lucas. And what he was saying was, was that uh, what a lot of people didn't understand, uh, that Star Wars is actually a soap opera. He said, people call it a space opera, but it's all about these relationships between the characters, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, trouble between fathers and sons and, you know, it's uh, this kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, and it's, you know, particularly when you look at it like that, I mean, there is an emotional resonance to it. You know, the other thing I want to mention, because Maggie, you had talked about with uh, Rogue One uh, in terms of the time that it came out. And what I've noticed is with some of these things, and it was really in terms of the the prequel trilogy, there was the suggestion of how the Republic went bad and how it was corrupted from within. And, you know, there was not only that foreshadowing, but I think in some ways when Lucas was doing that, um, he was making a statement about our government and different things that were going on at the time, you know, in terms of that administration. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me and very timely also. I was just going to piggyback off what you had just said about the prequel trilogy. Um, when I was doing some research a couple weeks ago, I came across this really great quote from, from George Lucas talking about how democracies aren't overthrown, they're given away. And that was a, mm. a large part of his inspiration for the prequel trilogy was that kind of concept of giving that democracy away to somebody like Emperor Palpatine. So I, upon reflection of that now as an adult, you know, I love that as a child, but now I get it a lot more as an adult. So I think it was very interesting how he kind of merged that with, you know, this epic space fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has anybody else uh, read any of the novelizations of the films? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a, as a kid, um, I did something stupid and I got grounded and I wasn't allowed to have TV or go see movies or anything like that with my friends. And all I was uh, able to do was read books. And we had the novelizations of the original three. And I remember reading through those and like, I want to say like maybe like two days because I was like hooked on it. There was so much cool, like extra information and like description than there were in the movies and it was really cool oh yeah well the books are always better but the reason i mentioned that was um the the phantom at least the beginning of the phantom menace because you may remember they gave you a little bit of history on the sith and how at one point apparently similar to the jedi order there had been the sith order and but the nature of the dark side of the force led them to i mean even before because ultimately the Jedi mopped him up, but it was after all this infighting among the Sith, and they made it easy for the Jedi to destroy them. And but what they said in that book was there was there was like one survivor 
this guy Darth Bane, and he decided that it was the ambition of the Sith that had actually been its downfall. And so, going forward, there would only be two, one master and one apprentice. And in that way, by limiting the number of Sith, you should be able to limit that uh, ambition that ultimately caused them to be destroyed. Hmm? There's always more than two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The whole rule, too, and then there's, like, all these, like, extra, like, like, Sith, like, junior achievers, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I admit, when I first saw Saj Ventress, I'm like, wait a second. So she's count do and oh and that well although the um what's his what's his face General Grievous I don't know that he counts but 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 or was General Grievous Dooku's um because no, uh, no, Grievous didn't have the Force he didn't have any Force powers ah okay he had just been trained in the Jedi arts okay so Asajj Ventress was really Dooku's um uh, apprentice but Dooku was Sidious's apprentice. I'm like, how does that work? You know, how does an apprentice have an apprentice? Anyway, look, uh, that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington. We're community radio, which, among other things, means that we're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you. For the totality of the operation of the radio station, please visit the website at WERA.FM. Find out how you can support this wonderful institution of community media. It's also tax deductible. Anyway, look, we're going to step aside for a moment while we acknowledge the invaluable contribution of our underwriters. We're also going to take a couple of moments to uh, promote some of the other fine WERA programming that's coming up this weekend and during the week and i don't want you to touch that dial because camille and maggie and mike and i have a lot more to talk about on this special star wars episode of fantastic forum we'll be right back and welcome back Forum on WERA 96.7 FM Radio Arlington and streaming via WERA.FM. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Camille Richardson and Maggie Lovett and Mike Lunsford. And we are talking Star Wars. Yes, the uh, all the trilogies, the books, the TV shows, the holiday special, every, yeah, everything we are talking about here today and so uh when we took the break uh we had been talking a little bit about our various favorite uh non-trilogy uh iterations of star wars um i'd like to i'd like to sort of take it in in a slightly different direction here in the second half of the show and uh, i want to start out uh, asking maggie about uh, her take on the cultural significance of Star Wars, because as we've referenced earlier in the broadcast, this is something that is a worldwide phenomenon. It has become totally, totally weaved into the pop culture of the world, basically. Um, you've got 
people uh, like all of us <laughs> who are, we just can't get enough of it. Uh, Disney paid $4 billion for this. And uh, they're certainly, they're getting a big return on their investment. Um, you know, if nothing else, through The Mandalorian, you know, which uh, is streaming uh, via Disney Plus. Uh, but uh, the, the, the point is, this thing has just got its tendrils everywhere. And uh, I'm curious, what do you got to say about the cultural significance of what Star Wars has become, this juggernaut? I think the reason why Star Wars has become the phenomenon that it is is because at its core, it is about hope, it is about love, and it is about family. And about being connected to something larger than yourself, which is the force. And so I think that there's a lot to it that resonates with people who are looking for something to connect to. And I know myself as a fan of Star Wars, who's you know been involved you know in loving these films for 20 years, I think that I have I know that I have found a place in Star Wars with the friends that I've made because of the franchise. And so I think that, is part of why Star Wars has lasted the way that it has. I think that, you know, at that time when Star Wars first came out, you also had a huge franchise like Star Trek. And I think that fans find that same sort of connection and that same sense of belonging in that that franchise. And so I think that sci-fi in and of itself has a way of creating something bigger than ourselves that we can find ourselves in and grow with and see it as it grows. And so I think that in part is why it's still such a huge part of people's lives. I mean, people have dedicated 20, 30, 40 years of their lives to being fans of it. And I think I think at its core, it's because we've all found our own home and our own group of people. Is that what it's been like with you? Oh, without a doubt. I have never been happier than I've been with the people that I have made friends with in the Star Wars community, especially in this last year um, with COVID-19 you know, and everyone being sheltered at home, I've really, I've formed some extremely like close friendships with people simply because we are all Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. Now, some people would say that, oh, it's all fantasy. And uh, in fact, L Lucas himself uh, has said that Fake when the thing first... <laughs> Yeah. When the thing first came out, you know, people were like, I mean, because they didn't get that it was about relationships. They're thinking it's all about space battles. And mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm wondering, because there are some elements of philosophy that are part of this, too. Um, mm -hmm. Is that something that you have uh, noted and, uh, you know, taken into yourself? Oh, without a doubt. And I also um, I'm going to grad school for anthropology and I recently learned that George Lucas had also studied anthropology in his lead up to eventually creating a lot of that creating culture in Star Wars and then also outside of Star Wars within the fandom and so there's kind of this give and take there where you borrow parts of essentially a culture that's been created which is the Star Wars franchise and you bring that into your own space and create a culture with your group of people. So I think there's that that give and take and the, the philosophies of the Jedi and the Sith and the force that, you know, is imbued within Star Wars. And I think that helps create 
is a long lasting experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Camille. I mean, there's no denying it's huge. You can see it in every marketing thing ever, but, uh, I mean, it, it, it speaks more than, I, I do agree with Maggie in terms of it speaks, especially hope on family, on, you know, unification. Um, I, I think there is a very heavy emphasis on, like, a, a good versus evil, but also at the same time while looking at it that way, it's also not black and white when you start to understand um, what has happened to certain characters and how they've grown and... Sometimes it makes you almost relook at things in your own life or, or other people and maybe give them a little more leeway or maybe look at things in a different perspective because not everything is black and white. But I think that is, I mean, for me, it has helped me through some very hard times. I know it's helped a lot of other people as well. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's beyond the flashy lights. It's beyond, you know, all that. In fact, the reason why I didn't even care for the sequel trilogy really is because I felt it was more marketing than anything else. And I felt like it lost the heart and the soul of what, I felt Star Wars was for a long time, um, but I, I think it does have to do a lot exactly with what she said. It's it's to, to know that you can always choose the better path, even no matter how far you've maybe fallen before. You can still make it right. You can still decide right now to make the right decision. Um, and I won't lie, and not to bring politics into this, I, I couldn't even even help with the most recent election looking at it almost as like a light side dark side situation um which i know a lot of others did as well so uh <laughs> culturally to the point it hits us politically it's 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 everywhere i mean i just picked up a book called jedi mind secrets from the force for balance and peace and this has legit stuff on trying to calm yourself and different things with yoga and what have you i mean this is all across the everything at this point but we, we take it in because it, it matters to us. It gives us heart. It gives us something to care about that's bigger than ourselves. And yeah, it's just it's really picking back after what she said. With it, just it's more than ourselves. Mm. You know, and I I really appreciate what you were saying about redemption. Darth Vader. I mean, this incredibly evil character. Even though he had been revealed to have once been Anakin Skywalker, Luke's dad. I remember Obi-Wan saying something like, he's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. But Luke was still committed to trying to turn him back to the light side. And it was because of his experience with the Force. He's like, no, there's good in him, I felt it, you know? And was willing to sacrifice himself in an effort to turn his father back to the good side, which ultimately was a successful effort. It was a really wonderful turn in the story. Um, Camille, you said that it had had a personal impact on you, and um, you, you just mentioned that book that you got. Um, can you elaborate just a little bit on uh, the personal impact that it has on you? There are times that I can be an angry person, um, and, and some of you know some of my background. I've had a lot of stuff happen. Um, so, but at the same time, the last thing I want to do is have this world turn me bitter. And I can't tell you how often I literally play this mantra in my head. And it sounds so crazy, but there's legit, um, realness and, 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 you know, and thought to it, but it's the whole, you know, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And that is 100% true. And that's usually how that kind of thing starts. And, um, 
this is also something that I kind of have seen in terms of like with the election and things leading up to that as well. But like you can look at it in that way of a progression of what you can do to yourself or what you'll do to others. But it's something where it's kind of made me kick myself in the butt and be like, whoa, you need to reevaluate yourself and see how far you've fallen because you are allowing things to get to a point now that you are angry, you're bitter, and you're not being the kindest person right now. So I have literally used that to try to talk sense into myself. And yeah, I did just pick up this book. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I picked it up because I I was was someone who used to be very in touch with themselves and with yoga and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like I, I have fallen, I have fallen far and I need to pull it back in. And, um, I won't lie. That mantra keeps going through my brain a lot, especially this year. That's such a great book too. I'm so glad that you picked it up. Yeah. It's, and the fact that it has like real things in it is, is pretty incredible. Mm. (laughs) Not just like some gimmicky marketing tool. So Mm. I appreciated that from them. The force will be with you always. <laughs> All right, Mike, what about you? I'm glad that I get to run the anchor leg here because just hearing what it's meant to other people, but also seeing their perception on the cultural impact of this thing that we all love is just, it's, it's always nice hearing what other people have to say about it. But also, Star Wars became something in the last decade that I never thought it would become. And it was honestly because I was probably just not seeing it because the internet has done this thing where it's a great thing. It's connected everybody, but it's also a bad thing because it's connected everybody. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's, I found out like through research, through various things from hearing testimonies from some of the actors, um, like Ahmad Best, for instance, Jake Lloyd, um, Hayden Christensen, that the fan base and, and not the fan base as a whole, but certain very angry, very loud minority of the fan base has said some very ugly, awful things about these people, about these characters that they played. And like, it it disgusted me, but instead of it turning me against this fandom as a whole, it's really galvanized me in a way because I found the people you basically you find your tribe you find your people that understand hey what they did was wrong what these fans did was wrong and like yeah okay so maybe we didn't like this aspect of the performance or this aspect of the character but this is an ensemble thing this person didn't just decide all of this on their own it's a nuanced thing it's that obi-wan kenobi line you know from a certain point of view sort of thing like there's so much nuance to this thing where it just used to be so binary it was so you're either like star wars or you don't now there's so much more to it like you either understand the the bigger messages or you really don't you or you looked at last jedi and you said oh well this luke was nothing like what i thought luke was going to be and then others see it as No, this is the perfect progression. This makes so much sense because as a character, he's seen so much bad happen to him whenever there's any bit of dark side. So once the dark side infiltrates, what's the best way to do to handle this? Take himself out of the equation. That makes sense. And like understanding that characters grow and they're not static and they're not exactly what we all in our headcanon want them to be. Like that's what's been really awesome about the culture and what it's brought to our society is that like 
you can see all these amazing interpretations. But just because somebody has a different interpretation doesn't necessarily mean that you have to respect it. And what I mean by that is when it starts becoming the perspective of, oh, well, I can't believe they're forcing people of color and women into main roles in Star Wars. And that's just annoying. And, like, you literally see that just because somebody's a Star Wars fan doesn't mean that you're going to see eye to eye with them. And, like, it's really brought a lot of clarity and, like, a lot of understanding of the bigger picture for me. Like, I've grown up with it as Star Wars has grown up, and it's been really enlightening to understand that, like, it, there's so much nuance to it. That I used to think, I used to identify with Anakin, you know, hey, passionate. You know, you gotta, sometimes you gotta break the rules a little bit to get things, but the older I get, man, am I more like Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just it's it's so funny like how your perspective changes on these things as you grow up with this thing that you love as it evolves too and it's been awesome seeing it become a a for good it's awesome seeing it become something that is opening itself up for a whole new generation yeah that may mean some of the stories are not really quote unquote for me but that's okay because it means we're going to get more stuff we're going to see our kids you know, our our nephews, our nieces, our, our friends' kids, we're going to get to see them fall in love with this thing that we loved as well. And that's ultimately, isn't that what we all want if we love something, we want to share it with everybody else? Mm-hmm. Well, and oh, although I, it's something I want to come back to. After I remind everybody that they're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Maggie Lovett and Camille Richardson. We are talking about Star Wars. And uh, Mike, you have had an experience that few, uh, well, that few have had, although that I'm sure the more time goes by, uh, that more will. you are one of the uh, fans that has been to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and you have had the experience of piloting the Millennium Falcon with your son. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, could, I couldn't help but think about that as you were talking about sharing this thing that you love, uh, you know, with a new generation. And, you know, you talked about being in the workshop and you guys building a lightsaber together and a droid and stuff like that. And, you know, this is something, you know, with, with this theme park thing, you know, I mean, this is yet another way that uh, the, that the thing is connecting with fans and uh, yeah, even if you say you don't like star Wars, you can't possibly go to this Disney theme park and see this thing and not be a little swayed by it, you know? It's like, well, I did, I don't really care for Star Wars, but yeah, when I got to pilot the Millennium Falcon, that was pretty cool, or I got to be a gunner on the Millennium Falcon or whatever. Um, I wanted to come back to, uh, well, personalization, for one thing, because uh, every fan of, well, really anything, um, they, they feel like it's their own. You know, I mean, it's the way I feel about Winnie the Pooh today. Winnie the Pooh is mine. He ain't nobody else's. That's that's my thing, you know. But, you know, something like Star Wars, yeah, you know. I mean, and I was 14 when Star Wars first came out, you know. So I I identified heavily with Luke Skywalker. I mean, that that first trilogy, that was a coming-of-age story. Some of the closest friends I have today I made 
through that film. I mean, going to science fiction conventions and we're all in costume and you find other people, uh, you know, who are involved in this stuff. And I'm reminded of the uh, 501st Imperial Legion. That is a, 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 a brother and sisterhood, a fellowship like none other. You know, I mean, and, and the good work that they do also, the charity work. And I so applaud George Lucas in because uh, Disney was ready to shut all of that down. But as part of his deal, it, I mean, that, that was something he specified. You know, he, he allowed the 501st to be able to continue dressing up and doing their thing. You know, I mean, so, uh, you know, and, and that's just one example of the way the the personalized way that people have gotten this thing and um you know and, and made it their own we can freestyle the time that we have left but i i i feel like because i was so disappointed with the jedi ultimately it was such an oppressive religion uh system that they had and i'm thinking because i've heard of this so-called gray jedi okay and i'm thinking that's the way for the jedi to go no, you don't want to be totally with the light. You don't want to be totally with the dark. You want to be gray. That's the future of the Jedi Order, you know, because there's balance to the Force, and maybe that means you can be a Jedi and you can get married, too. You don't have to be, like, <laughs> a slave to this uh, philosophy, you know? Anyway, that's that's what I have to say about that. Um, and There's a lot of theory that, that's what a lot of the Jedi Order thought Anakin was going to be, was the 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 quote unquote balance of the Force. Instead of it like negating all of the dark side, he himself was going to be the balance of the Force, so to speak. And I honestly thought that they might go that route with Rey in the new trilogy, but then they did something different and they decided to write a story that didn't make any sense. Um, or, <laughs> like, have any grounding in reality. But, I mean, that's J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams has these grand ideas and then never follows up on them. I mean, like, watch Lost, if you don't believe me. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it was frustrating, too, because, like, I, I've talked about my theories before. Like, I felt that Ray could have been the chosen one. Not Anakin, but, like, the force, the, the cosmic force. Which, if you're familiar, there's, like, the living force, which is, like, the thing in all living beings. And then when you die, the, that goes to the cosmic force, which connects planets and gravity and all that other stuff. And, like, the cosmic force chose Ray because there was an imbalance in the force because he shut, him off, shut himself off from the force. And the only thing really prominent at that, prominent at that point was Kylo and um, Snoke. And they needed something. And they were like, let's just choose this weird girl that lives on this desert planet for no reason. But then they were like, oh, wait, no, she's a Palpatine. And they just ruined my theory with that. And, like, there were so many other theories out there that were so much cooler than what actually happened. And, like, mm. same thing with the Grey Jedi. But, like, from historically speaking with the Grey Jedi, they tend to, once you get the taste of the dark side, it's real hard to turn away from it. it, it like, <laughs> all, they, they almost always turn to the dark side. Almost Almost exclusively it is seems to be the uh, the thing they do with the story, and I wonder if that's a canon thing where it's like, hey, if this happens, this is the way it needs to go, or if that's just like from what we've seen. We may see one in the future that that manages to be the balance themselves, and I think that would be pretty cool. Wait a minute. Uh, let, let, let's let Maggie have a chance to say something here. Okay, I just want I got a, a question after that though. Um, as far as the Gray Jedi, I've always been really fascinated in the concept, um, mostly because. 
Qui-Gon Jinn is what I think of as a great Jedi. Had he mm. lived beyond the Phantom Menace, I think that he most likely would have left the Jedi just because he didn't seem to entirely mesh with their philosophies from what we saw and then what we've seen in like Master and Apprentice and, and other aspects of actual canon, not legends. And so I think that he would have become a great Jedi. And so I think of him when I think of great Jedis. Hmm. And then I also think of Ahsoka, who is obviously no Jedi, but I think of her philosophy of kind of breaking the mold of what Jedis are and simply being a force user and using that inherent power for good while acknowledging the duality of light and dark. Hmm. The one thing I want to say, because I think I think Mace Windu gets a bad rap, you know? I mean, I've heard all these people talking about... Huh? I don't, because think about it. I mean, well, I know it, you don't. <laughs> but Anakin, like, he's, he's being forced to, to spy on the Chancellor. You know, he already feels weird about that. And then, like, he's, you know what? Like, oh my God, this dude is a flipping Sith Lord. Like, okay, goes straight to Windu after he's been told to spy on him. Hey, dude, I think he's a Sith Lord. And he's like, if what you have told me is true, then you will have my trust. And it's just like, what? Like, he's been pretty good through this whole thing about telling you everything and you're not going to let him come with you to fight this battle and you're going to yeah. leave him? Well, that's when he turns. Good job, that's buddy. That's because he sensed that there was confusion on... And let me tell you something. If Anakin had stayed in the temple like Mace asked him to, the whole thing never would have happened. <laughs> like, it would have been fine. Mace would have put him down and it would have... And, oh, gee, turns out he's a Sith Lord. Gee, I guess spying on him was the right thing to do, huh? You know? I mean, it's like, wow. What's Mace got to do? I mean, it's like, damn. It's like, I, like I said, I personally think he gets a bad rap at all this. <laughs> all of them, not just Mace, Yoda as well. Because ultimately, like we were, ta like we talked about this before. I can't remember who it was that brought it up, but the whole concept of democracy doesn't—it's it, not an external thing. It basically crumbles from within. Like we, we let it happen. Like, think about that, though, too. Yoda knew, like, he's meditating with Anakin. Oh, Anakin, I see that you're having dark thoughts. Oh, Anakin, I see that you're having these problems. Eh, you'll be all right. I just thought, it like, that, and then also, like, Luke says something that really lends to the gray Jedi thing. So we've got Ahsoka, we've got um, Qui-Gon, we've got Luke. Because Luke says in Last Jedi that uh, the Force does not belong to the Jedi. To say that if they die, the light dies is vanity. So, like, even he's seeing that like the way things were done was not right and like they brought a they they brought a uh, they brought on their own downfall and he brings it up in that movie too so like you're you're seeing the flaws in the system and they're trying to poke holes at it and again maybe the gray jedi is a thing that that becomes the future of it like he was on the right path and then who, who knows what the heck happened in the rest of those movies i don't want to say too much but that's kind of why like i love the bendu Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love I yes. love that guy. <laughs> but also like with Ahsoka, like to sit there and say that she's she's a force wielder and a powerful force wielder at that, but like, oh, she's not a Jedi. Like it's a semantics thing, okay? Like this is so stupid to be like, oh well, we can't give her this title because of some nonsensical stuff. Like I'm not even gonna get into that, Yuli, because you gotta see it. But like she she ends up being more heroic than many of the Jedi that we saw, and that's what's so frustrating about it, is it's this titles game. It's this whole, like, bureaucracy. They get wrapped up in it, and it, it's 
I'm I'm really interested to see this high order stuff too. I mean, like now high ground needs to become a thing because that just needs to be like <laughs> the title of the Obi Wan series or something. But like, <laughs> Dude, when Mando said that in the first season of Mandalorian, I about lost it. Oh my! Good. Fans are making Star Wars stuff. We we didn't even get to get to the Mandalorian, you know. And in fact, there's clearly this is such a rich subject. Uh, you know, again, people people love it. I mean, it it's it certainly has had a tremendous impact on my life. But look, um, unfortunately, we're out of time, and uh, I, I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to uh, let the listeners know where they can find them. Because obviously, if you listen to this show, you may be fascinated not only with what we've had to say, but with some of the interesting personalities that you've had a chance to become acquainted with. So. Um, Let's uh, uh, let's start with Camille. Camille, where can people find you, and what are you doing when you're not doing this? Um, well, I run Phantom Comics, which is a comic book store in the heart of D.C. We're right in DuPont Circle, um, and we do everything from modern comics, uh, graphic novels, gaming, um, toys, statues, all of that. And I will say one thing, since we're having a sale coming up and we're kind of gearing up for the holidays, this Saturday we're doing something called a fill-a-bag promotion. So if you come in and you buy a Phantom Comics tote bag, you can fill up as much stuff from in the store into that bag for 25% off your entire order. The only thing that's excluded is Magic the Gathering. But yeah, so we do that, and we're kind of doing stuff every weekend, gearing up for the holidays. So stay tuned with us. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram by Phantom Comics. It's Phantom with an F as in Frank. Ah, there you go. All right. And um, Maggie, you do a uh, show on YouTube, and uh, you're getting quite a bit of traction with that. Yes, um, I'm a little bit of everywhere. Um, so a month ago, I decided to launch my very own YouTube uh, series focused on Star Wars, unsurprising, um, <laughs> which is called Let's Talk About Star Wars. And I actually was able to nab the URL. So you can go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Let's Talk About Star Wars. And I have had six episodes so far i'm trying to do them weekly so very excited about that um i also write for your money geek i'm the managing editor over there um and mostly talk about star wars and other pop culture geek stuff there you go all right and of course uh mike the great geek refuge quick aside i just found let's talk about star wars on youtube and i'm subscribing so i'm very excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> of course another satisfied customer <laughs> yes so the great geek refuge you say um we're just super excited because um it's been a six-year adventure in this whole podcasting website talk about geeky nerdy things and uh we just hit a massive milestone we just hit 100,000 subscribers um for our podcast which was like the coolest thing ever like I couldn't be happier about it. It's just been awesome. But um, we've got a really cool project that's going to be coming out on November the 25th, which is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So we did an updated version of A Christmas Carol. And actually, you can hear the host of Fantastic Forum himself, Ulysses E. Campbell. He has a role in the play. I don't want to give it away yet because it's really, really cool what he does. 
But um, what we're doing right now is if you go to Facebook and you go to Great Geek Refuge, uh, we have our Facebook page. We're actually doing a fundraiser right now. We're raising money for a charitable organization down here in Fredericksburg, Virginia, called Micah Ecumenical Ministries. They do a lot with helping uh, those who are without a home, those who are struggling, um, those who are without food, without clothing, those sorts of things. They do a lot of really, really good work in the community, and we're trying to raise as much money as we possibly can uh, before the launch of this podcast, uh, this playcast, as, as so it were, since it's uh, originally a play. But yeah, just a fantastic group of people that was involved with this uh, will be, um, you'll be able to download it, you'll be able to stream it on Spotify, on iTunes, where, wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to listen to uh, GGR is a Christmas Carol. So please tune in and, and donate if you can. There you go. And of course, uh, Fantastic Forum. It's also a television show. You can uh, check out episodes of the TV show at uh, well, uh, check your local listings and also uh, visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. Uh, the radio program, if you happen to miss any portion of it on Saturday, it re-airs each and every Thursday right on this station from 3 to 4 p.m. And as we think we've mentioned here, it's also airing as a podcast and doing quite well via the Great Geek Refuge and all the various platforms where you can find podcasts. So, uh, be sure to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. In the meantime, be safe, be careful. Now is when you need to take the most precautions because the Rona is still out there and it is rearing its ugly head like the dark side of the force. So uh, make sure that you take the appropriate precautions. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend.